When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $15.99. Save $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. For almost a year now, healthcare workers around the world have been front and center, battling the pandemic. Remember last spring when this all started? For months, at 7 p.m. every day, people clapped and they cheered for our frontline workers. At the time, hospitals in places like New York City and Washington State were buckling under the pressure of the pandemic. There weren't enough hospital beds, not enough personal protective equipment. Doctors and nurses were working crazy hours. Now... We're seeing a record number of cases across the entire country. Once again, hospitals are reaching or have actually already reached full capacity. Healthcare workers are still working crazy hours. But you know what? There's no more cheering. In some cases, those celebrations have been replaced by hostility about wearing masks or even the outright denial that this virus even exists. Now, don't get me wrong. There is a vaccine, yes. There is an end to this, yes. I've had both doses, and so have a lot of other healthcare workers around the country. But the vaccine isn't going to address something that is also tied to this pandemic. The mental health effects that this nonstop, grueling year has had on healthcare workers. Some people have used the term burnout. But burnout is something that already existed in the healthcare industry long before this pandemic. So what do you call something that's more than burnout, that's more exhausting and more enduring than that? In this episode, I'm going to speak with Dr. Megan Ranney and Dr. Jesse Gold about the mental and emotional toll of their jobs. Dr. Ranney is an emergency room doctor. She's also founding director of the Brown Lifespan Center for Digital Health. And Dr. Gold is a psychiatrist and director of wellness, engagement, and outreach at Washington University. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Coronavirus, Fact versus Fiction. I worked in the ER late last night, and man, the, the ER is busy, and it's, a, it's pretty tough right now. I think everybody is at their end of their rope. A lot of my providers have family members who are sick right now. What does that feel like then when you go into the hospital for a shift? What, what is the mood like or the tone? I mean, do you, do you talk about it with your colleagues? I mean, do you lament? You know, last night I, I worked with one of my residents who's incredible. She's just one of the most brilliant residents that we've got. And it was a tough shift for her. And at the end of the shift, I was like, you know, what, what's going on? And she broke down and let me know that she had a couple family members that were pretty sick with COVID. And she hadn't felt comfortable, despite the fact that we have a good relationship, hadn't felt like it was her place to tell me that or to allow herself to show weakness or to let anyone know that she was emotionally struggling or distracted. Um, And I stayed late actually talking to her. Um, But it's something that I've had happen a lot over the last couple of months that people keep it inside. There's this sense that you have to have a veneer. I mean, that's, that's 
what our medical training is, right? We don't show weakness yeah. uh, in the hospital. Dr. Rani, I don't know, my, for some reason, my chest is tightening up a little bit just hearing you describe that. And I mean, how are, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing okay. You know, I'm getting my second shot of the vaccine tomorrow, which gives yeah. me um, some personal relief, but it doesn't take away my concern about my family or more importantly, my concern about the greater community. You know, we all want to think that it's 2021 and this virus is going to be done. Um, but I'm looking forward. We've got a couple of really tough months ahead. Dr. Gold, I, do you want to react to what Dr. Rani is saying? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, none of it surprises me, which, I, you know, it just is every day I hear stories like this. You know, it's really hard to even ask for help. So by the time people come to me, they're usually pretty sick because to get to a psychiatrist too, you're probably at the point where you need medication. And so the stories that she's talking about and this ability to sort of lose ourselves in medicine and, and to choke down our humanity to help other people because we think we're doing the right thing and to exist in a space in which we take care of others and taking care of others means we don't take up space ourselves. Um, and I'm not sure that's right, but that's what we were taught was right. People are struggling and you hear it and it's been nine months of it and they haven't had time to stop and breathe and they haven't had time to even ask themselves what you just asked, which was how is she doing? Um, nobody asks them that and they definitely don't ask themselves. Um, this idea that I don't want to take up space, that there's been significant burnout, even pre-COVID. I mean, that, that, that is, you're describing these things that exist in the medical field. Yeah, I'm curious, Dr. Rani, when, when this colleague you're talking about, and I don't want you to betray any confidences, but so what do you say to someone like this that you had this conversation with last night? I mean, how, how do you balance the hope and the honesty? I mean, I think in many ways that's the underlying question behind so much of what we all do every day, even in pre-COVID times, is balancing hope and honesty, whether you're telling someone that they have a devastating brain bleed or Jesse's telling someone that they actually have a diagnosis of schizophrenia or I'm telling someone that they're septic and getting admitted to the ICU. And I feel like COVID in many ways is no different. You know, with talking to my colleague, we talked about the stats and we talked about the fact that for the two of us, we've both seen the very worst. The patients that come into the hospital are the ones that are not doing well, but not, it's not also a death sentence. And then what are we doing to create hope? And I think for many of us, certainly in medicine, but also in larger society, we gain sustenance by making the world a better place. When you, when you think about burnout, psychologically, physically, whatever it may be, but what does, what is, what does burnout mean to you? Dr. Rani? So to me, burnout is actually quite different from what we're experiencing right now. Burnout is about um, being overwhelmed by the workplace, kind of that sense of getting crispy. Um, it is uh, hmm. needing, um, you know, there, there are these standard scales of, of, of burnout, which are around kind of emotional detachment, increased irritability, not getting pleasure in the things that you normally get. What we're seeing now is more than that. It is also about moral injury. It is about, Sanjay, exactly what you just said, which is the fact that we are out there working our hardest, giving everything that we can to save our patients 
as well as to save our community from getting infected. And at the same time, we are being put in these untenable situations where we have so many more patients than we can take care of, where we have so many fewer resources than we need to take care of them. This is qualitatively and quantitatively different in terms of the types of conversations we're having, the threats that we're getting, the people who don't believe us. I have a friend who had a gun pulled on her in an emergency department when she asked a patient to wear a mask. That doesn't happen in normal times. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a really good point. Burnout, burnout doesn't do it any kind of justice, I think. And, and, and Dr. Gold, I'm just curious, you know, everyone says, well, masks have become politicized. The message from, from my standpoint was, look, just put on two ear loops when you, when you are out in public and you could be part of a grand movement that could save tens of thousands of lives. I mean, how many chances in your life do you get to save a life? And yet someone might pull out a gun when asked to do that. What do you think is going on? That is the, the crux of my job is I sit with the scope of people. And in doing so, I have to be able to empathize with them. How do you do that? You have to understand that no matter what feelings are valid, the opinion part of it is probably the part that we're getting stuck on, but the feeling part of it is always valid. So because people's feelings were preyed on with false opinions, we are getting this very, very, very explosive thing. So I empathize with the fact that if you lost your job because of the pandemic Mm. and you are not able to eat, you are struggling to take care of your family, you are depressed, you are angry, and, and you are looking for an answer, and you turn to something to support your answer. Because why would you look for invalidation of what you're feeling? Mm-hmm. You're going to look for validation of it. The validation is going to be the news sources, the social media that says you are correct in your feelings. How, how are you measuring success? You get sustenance from your work. You know you're taking care of patients. What are you telling people? And what are you telling yourself as part of that as well? I think it's partly through honesty. It's by saying there is a light at the end of the tunnel. We have vaccines. The spring is coming. Um, I am planning stuff for late August. So uh, it's my parents' 50th anniversary this year. My sister lives overseas. We are planning a trip, knowing that it may not happen, but we have that to look forward to. It is continuing to do work to try to make the world better. But it's also an honesty um, with my kids, with my family, with my community. These new COVID variants terrify me. Um, And I don't say that lightly as an ER doc, I don't get scared, you know, terrified easily, but if they truly are as transmissible as is being reported, we're in for a really difficult next few months. We look at these models and everyone says, okay, well, you know, if you look at the the models, here's when we're likely to peak. In, In terms of you now, taking it away from the models of the country and just you personally, you know, you have this sentiment sort of curve. And I'm sure in the beginning, I was so struck by, you know, people cheering healthcare workers, you know, banging on pots and pans, showing their appreciation. And those images were quite striking. Healthcare workers don't get thanked enough for, for the sort of work. And I'm sure, you know, you appreciate that appreciation. Um, but like, are you at the bottom of your curve now, do you think, in terms of sentiment or? no. I actually think I was at the bottom of my curve in October and November, to be honest. It was when I saw the second surge coming, you know, the second surge coming, the fall surge, and no one was listening. Um, I actually remember going 
uh, on TV and saying it's here and people saying, really? But to echo what you just said, the appreciation was lovely. What matters far more to me than external demonstrations of appreciation is actual change. When you saw those images, Dr. Gold, of, you know, people cheering for healthcare workers, what, what, did, you, what did you think? Oh, you know, I have a lot of feelings on it. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, like I've never, I'm of the camp that the hero worshiping is never great because most of us don't like the label. Um, I think the label actually brought more people to my clinic than than kept them away because when you call someone a hero, they're not supposed to have feelings. And so if you're a hero, you're supposed to fix everything and make everything better and, and make it go away and be the person who saves the day. And at that time, especially when people were doing that, we didn't have any solutions and we weren't really being a hero. We were just having a lot of people come in and be pretty sick. And if they got better, they got better. And if they died, they died. And so I think a lot of people didn't feel good. And a lot of people didn't feel like heroes. A lot of people had a lot of feelings and weren't allowed to show them. And so that's what I thought at the time. I think there is a significant reinforcement when people care about you. So there was a benefit for the caring about their existence. When you see it go away completely, it is evident that that was better than this. And what this has become is nobody, not only does nobody care that they're still doing their job day in and day out, and it's harder and worse, but they actually hate them for it. And so when I think about it, I think if we are not crying, angry, exhausted, which is a kind of a, euf a euphemism, we are numb. And that's worse. There was a survey I'm sure you saw to this point uh, last year. It was by the, uh, I believe, the Physicians Foundation that showed that thousands of medical practices uh, have been closing during the pandemic. Another survey showed, I think, nearly a fifth of primary care physicians say that someone in their practice plans to retire early has already retired. Dr. Rani, I mean, you both are much younger than I am. Have you ever thought, Dr. Rani, about, you know, hanging it up or leaving the profession? I'll be honest, I've had discussions uh, with friends and family, but I am not ready to step away from clinical medicine. This is such a beautiful privilege to be able to go in and take care of people in their moment of need, whether they want me to or not. To me, uh, doing this work is part of who I am, uh, and I can't imagine leaving it. Uh, at the same time, I also can't imagine not fighting to make it better. We've never had a chance to meet in person, although, you know, you see people on the screen, you do feel like you get to know them. I, I really hope you guys don't leave. Dr. Gold, even before this pandemic, physicians had one of the highest rates of death by suicide in the entire country. And last year, a lot of people heard the news of Dr. Lorna Breen, the doctor in New York who contracted the virus and then later died by suicide. What sort of systemic changes do you think need to happen, and can they happen, do you think? First of all, you're asking these questions, which is new. This was not a topic that a lot of people wanted to talk about. We like to use words as euphemisms, like we don't like to say mental health, we'd prefer to say wellness. So what instead, what they used to do is just make us have like a lecture on burnout, and everybody's burned out in the lecture on burnout. And what they really should be doing is figuring out 
what they need to be doing at a systemic level to implement change that decreases all of these risks for mental health outcomes. Are you getting more providers that like, people can see? Are you providing some pot of money for people to use for that? Because there are people who don't have physician salaries who need money to see people because they're deciding between eating and going to a therapist and that's not okay. And that needs to be in the thought process. The licensing questions need to be in the thought process because you never for a second ever should say, should I get help or am I going to lose my license for it? That should never cross your mind when you are in a place like Dr. Lorna Breen was. And her family will say that crossed her mind and she expressed it out loud. Um, and I think, you know, we should be able to be in a culture that talks about emotions and vulnerability and isn't scared to. What do you do, like, just day to day when you're having, like, really a hard sort of time? I, one thing that I've started doing, I have three tween or teen daughters, and we will sometimes just do a spontaneous dance party. We we dance like no one's watching because no one is watching. It's just us. We're in the middle of a pandemic. And somehow it just makes us feel good. I'm just curious, is there is there something that you guys, a go-to that you have, Dr. Rani? My daughter told me the other night, mom, you need to go to a 90s prom again. Because I was like blasting 80s and 90s music and dancing around the kitchen. So music and, and dance are huge. Um, outdoor time is big for me also. Dr. Gold, I'm just wondering, are you also into the 90s dance parties or what, what are you doing? I'm a huge believer in therapy. I will talk about it to the ends of the earth. It is important for people to know that they see doctors that get help because I think if you come to me and you, you know, dump out the deepest, darkest things that you've never told anybody and you feel like you unloaded a lot on me and you never would have unloaded that on anyone else and you worry that you told me too much or I can't handle it, I can handle it because I have an outlet for support. And that's what's important. Dr. Gold, thank you very much. And and let's let's please, you know, check in on each other, you know? I mean... I sound, that sounds very simple compared to all the, the, the strategies and plans you laid out. But let's just, let's just check in on each other, all of us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's been a long year for your healthcare workers. Remember that. The next time you see one on the street, on the train, at a clinic, try and spare a kind word for them. It may mean more than you even know. If you have questions... Please record them as a voice memo and email them to asksanjay at cnn.com. We might even include them on the next podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. We all do things our own way. And since the way that each of us sleeps is unique, you need a bed that fits you just the right way. Sleep Number Smart Beds make your sleep experience as individual as you are, using cutting-edge technology to give you effortless, high-quality sleep every night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 Smart Bed is only $15.99. Save $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.